You're, you're equipped. Everybody's starting these New Year's resolutions saying, man, I hope I can do it. I, God's given us the book that says, here's success. This is how it works. I promise you, it works. And everything, we, we went back to Deuteronomy at the beginning, and the Bible says, you want, to, you want me to explain how it's a big deal and, and how Moses wrote it's a big deal. He said, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a matter of life or death. It's not just spiritual, but in every aspect of our life, God said the Bible either brings us blessings or when we pull away from it, it brings cursing. It, it doesn't work without God. But then later he, he said, blessed is the man that does these things. You've got to do them. If you obey my voice, you've got to obey God, which literally means say, God, I trust you. So as we go to church and we hear things, it's not a matter of, well, that's for everybody else. No, if that's what God said, you are making a choice. I either want the blessings of God or I choose to go my own way and have the curse or problems or, or, or whatever it is follow you in that situation. But I want to address another truth today. And that is not only are you equipped by God, you are loved by God. And I know for most of us, we're sitting there like, like I don't know, as if I don't know that. Now, let me tell you guys, I know we know that. For, for us in our lives, it's, it's a matter of we, we've grown up, for God so loved the world and he so loved us. But here's the thing, when you start messing up, that's when we start going, running the other way from God. Let, let me illustrate it like this. I have, and, and, I, and this is hard for me to do, but I'm just going to lay it out there, right? I'm, I, sometimes the best thing that a pastor can do is be totally transparent, there's somebody in my family that I don't like, okay? Is that, can I say that? Is that wrongness? Before you guys judge me, there's people in your family you don't like too. So just remember that as I'm going through this, okay? But there, there's somebody in my family I don't like. I don't like to be in the same room with them. We, we don't communicate well. We kind of get on each other's nerves. If, if we get in too close, we end up fighting, there, there's agitation, there's irritation. There, I just, just being honest, I just don't like them, okay? And I, I know you're thinking it's probably Pastor Dave, but it's not Pastor Dave this time. For you guys that are new, that, that is Pastor Dave, the guy that was up here, he's my brother. But it's, it's this guy or this lady right here. This is the per person in my family. I, I don't like her, okay? I say she looks cute. I took another picture. As soon as she saw me, this is what she did. And you're, you're sitting there saying, that's just a cat. No, when she was brought into our family, there was some sort of weird division that we, we just don't get along, okay? And I, and I realize the reason why is because I am the disciplinarian in the family, okay? There, I am, babe. I'm just saying, and we don't need to have this fight now and everything. But when it comes to Raja, when, that's the, the, the animal's name, Okay. When it comes to Raj, you're a lot more compassionate to her. And she does things that are wrong. And Jenny will argue with me when it comes to this. So just to prove to Jenny, we have a rule. The cat's not allowed on the furniture. It's not allowed on the beds. It's not allowed all these different things. So we were going on vacation. We were going to be gone for those days. And I put up cameras in the house because I wanted to prove that she does wrong. Okay? So here's the picture of our house. Now look down in the corner. All right? Do you know what that is? Can you zoom in on that, Richard? Do you know what that is right there? <laughs> that is that cat, not just on the couch. That's my seat. <laughs> that, go back to the other picture right before that. 
Look how big that couch is, okay? She could have sat anywhere in that living room. She walks in. Now notice, there is a camera on the wall. I don't know if she knows it or not, but go back in in the picture. She's staring at the camera. As if to say, what are you going to do about it? As if to say, I'm in your spot, big boy. And, and, and the cool thing was that the camera has a feature where I could push the button. I said, Roger, get down. And then she ran and, you know, went the other way. It kind of gave me a little, it felt good. So, but she drives me crazy when it comes to this. Now, I'll be honest, and some of you can judge me. I, I did. I thought this is my opportunity. I, I, I hired a hitman while I was on vacation. I said, just slip into the house, take care of the cat, do what you have to do. Caught him on camera doing his thing. All right, so all he did was, I said, take care of the cat. He went and gave the cat water and food. I was like, dude, that's not what I meant when I said take care of the cat. You, You say, why does the cat agitate you so bad? Let me explain this. When I walk into a room because she knows she's guilty, because she knows that I'm, she's either clawing on something or she goes in Morgan's room. Morgan has a hamster. She jumps up on the dresser where she's not supposed to be. I'll walk around the corner and she'll jump down and look at that freeze frame like I was doing wrong and you know about it and I have to get out of here. I go into the room and she'll see me and she's thinking I'm, I'm, I'm probably in trouble for something because more than likely she was doing something wrong. That's the nature of a cat. Before you guys judge me, there's a movie called All Dogs Go to Heaven. Have you ever heard of a, a movie called All Cats Go to Heaven? Do you know why there's no movie about cats going to heaven? Anyway, that's another sermon for another time. I don't like... When she's hungry at night, and she'll come right up to me and start going around my legs, she'll put her little paw up there on my, you know, like this, and do all this other stuff, and I'm like, oh, now you want me. Now, now I'm her buddy, and now we're friends, and now this other, other stuff, but the rest of the time, she's running from me, and I, I know you're probably thinking this dude just went off on a soapbox, uh, standing on a soapbox, because he's irritated about his cat. No, the thing is, to be honest, a lot of us are Raja, okay? My message today is don't be Raja. No, no, I'm just kidding. It, it's the mindset that I'm always in trouble, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, oh, there's God, and I've done bad, so I've got to run the other way. Until we are in trouble and we need something from God and then we crawl up around God purring at his feet like, Lord, will you help me out of this situation? And that relationship is so up and down. And I'm thinking if I am that way with Raja as I go in there and I'm thinking, why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you one way one minute and the other way you're running the other way and it's not right and it's not good and it's not healthy? Let me tell you, I know that you are loved by God, but the problem is most of us don't live like we're loved. We don't. And, and, I, and I don't want to mess you up in your thinking because I'm going to get really deep into this over the next so many minutes that we have together This is, as I say this, and I'll try to clarify, it's not a matter of God accepting your sin, but God always loves you. And I think that's where we get it mixed up in our minds. And I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because I want to clarify this before we get into this. If one of my kids had a disease or they had cancer, I would love my kid unconditionally, but I would hate what was in their life hurting them. Does that make sense? 
And as a dad, I would do whatever I could to remove that from them. Not that I don't accept them. I love them. I'll always love them. But I hate what's in their life because I know it's not good for them. It's going to ruin our relationship or hurt our relationship or separate us. And I want it out. So turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. And we're going to look at some passages that are very familiar and, and, and then I'm going to parallel them to a story in the Old Testament. But I, I, I want to dissect these verses this morning. I want you to change how you live today as a Christian. I want you to change how you worship. Because when, you, when we realize that we're loved by God, the natural reaction should be, I love him because he first loved me. And there should be a, a, a love coming out of our life towards God. Which literally means how we sing and how we worship and how we act and everything will change when we understand this. So read with me. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended, demonstrated, poured out his love for me while we were yet sinners. Christ died for me. Let's pray. Father, I need you. We all need you. I pray, Lord, that you give us a change of thought, a change of our mindset when it comes to our relationship with you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, overall today to walk out of here, to live like we're loved, to know that we're loved. And Lord, that you not only showed it, you not only told us, Lord, you demonstrated it in such a way that is beyond words. So Lord, give us understanding this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. I, this doesn't just apply to salvation. It applies to everyday life. And that's what we have to understand so let me show you, just walk you through three aspects of his love. Number one, his love for you is unconditional. It, it is not that God loves you one day and then he's mad at you the next. It's not that God accepts you one day and then God rejects you the next day. We say the verses all the time when God said, I will never leave thee and I will never forsake thee. His love for you is not based on your good past or present because he loved you when you were not good. He loved you when there was no good to be found in you. There were, he loved you when you were beyond good. This is up and down relationship of living in guilt, living like we're afraid or living with our heads down. He loved you when you were ungodly. There was uh, this verse, God, verse uh, 8 but God committed his love toward us. That word love right there is an agape love. And I know that's not even really in our vocabulary because we don't live out an agape love. And agape love is unconditional. Because a lot of times if you make me mad or you cross me or you let me down, you know what we do in our human flesh? I'm done with you. I'll unfriend you. I'm, I'm not speaking to you again. We're, we're, this relationship is over, or this friendship is over, or this time of us hanging out, or whatever it is, I am done with you. So that's hard for us to understand. But God says that you've got to understand the love that I show to you is not based on circumstances. It's not based on if you have a good day or a bad day, or if you're struggling in sin or not. 
It's agape. It's unconditional. It's unstoppable. Meaning that God loved us at our lowest point. Your, the love of God means that he, he, he loves us without conditions. Let, let me explain it because some of you are saying, well, I, I, I know that's true. Let me just show you how drastic this is. Turn back to chapters, to Romans chapter 3, verse 10, which is also a verse that we use a lot when we're leading someone to salvation. Well, I'm a pretty good person. And we take them there as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Let, let me just lay something out. Just as we read this, and you guys believe the word of God, it's life or death. Here it is. The Pope is a sinner. The, 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 the most respected preacher on TV that preaches uh, in coliseums and, and has tens of thousands of followers is a sinner. Mary, the woman that was chosen by God to deliver baby Jesus into the world, was a sinner. Let me read it. And you say, oh, how dare you? There is none righteous. No, not one. But what about no, not one? What about no, not one? And that's where we, we, we get in uh, other religions and denominations. Well, I just can't accept that. Well, you better look at the Bible rather than what other people are saying. It's what God said. And anybody that thinks that they're above sin, number one, is either trying to get people to follow them, or number two, they are in trouble themselves. The Bible describes it in verse 11. There is none that understandeth. Let me put it like this. He loved you when you didn't get it. When you weren't going to church. When you didn't know the books of the Bible. When you were out there. He said there's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. He loved you before you loved him. The Bible says they are all gone out of the way. He loved you when you were lost. They are all together become unprofitable. He, he loved you when there was nothing good in you and you produced no good. Put it like this. He loved you before you gave to the church, before you were serving, before you sang in the choir, before you helped poor people. God loved you when you were unprofitable. You know what our love is? Man, I love you as long as you're hooking me up or taking care of me. You got my back. And all of a sudden, when they let you down, we turn our backs on them. God says, no, my love doesn't have conditions. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asp under their lips, who, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. He loves you in the midst of your faults and your failures. Because we lie, we cheat, we deceive. Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. He loved you when you messed things up, even when it's my fault. And the way of peace have they not known. Something's missing. Here's the thing. God did not clean us up to love us. He loved us when we were unclean. But God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved me when I was saturated in sin. He loves you if you have a drug problem. He loves you if you have a porn problem. He loves you if you have relationship problems. He loves you if you, if you smoke weed. You're saying, that doesn't make sense to me. That's what's so amazing about the gospel. It's because it goes beyond my love. It goes beyond my understanding. Once again, this is not to say that God loves your sin. 
He despised our sin so much that he went to the cross to cover our sin, okay? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. It's not a matter of, oh, God loves me, God takes me out. Yeah, you know what? God loves you so much that he's here to try to pull you out of your sin because he knows what it will do to you. We'll explain more of that next week. So I, I know he loves me, but man, I, I, I have a hard time accepting that. I have a hard time seeing myself that way. That's, that's why I want to take you to the Old Testament. And actually, I don't want you turning there. I'll throw the verses on there. I want us to stay in Romans chapter 5 through the duration of, of our time together. But I, I know some of you know this story, but maybe some of you don't. Prophets in the Bible were pretty cool. I mean, they respected them. They, they, they would hear a word from God. They would go deliver the word of God. They, they, they were upheld even more than what pastors were. They, they were the ones that God was using literally to deliver the word of God, that they would write the word of God. It was, they, they, were, they were men of integrity. One day God comes up and he goes to one of his prophets and he said, hey, I know you're a prophet of God, but I want to demonstrate to Israel how much I love them and I want, I want to paint a picture. Because sometimes we, we get a picture, a visual, like we do with the cross more than we would words. So he goes to a prophet named Hosea. He walks up to this prophet and he said, I want you to take unto you a wife. Now, now before you get into it, the Bible says, and the Lord said unto Hosea, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms. Now, I, I'm, in our minds, we're thinking, what in the world? Okay. In our language, we'd say, I want you to take a wife that's a prostitute. I want you to go to the worst part of town. I want you to go to the ghetto of the ghettos. I want you to step into the slum of society. And I want you to find a wife there. And I want you not only to care for her, reach out to her, I want you to marry her. Now you're just, whoa, wait a minute, this, this does not make sense. This is not the type of girl that you'd want to bring home to your mom, okay? It's not the type of girl you would show off. This entire story, this visual, this painting that God is laying out for us is, is, is showing that he, he loves someone that is opposite of her character. Go find her. Go to her. It's not a matter of just showing compassion to her because she came to you. And I'm sure Gomer, this girl, that, that, that her name is Gomer, is like, what does he see in me? You can imagine. Much like us in this story, just so you know, the word Hosea means salvation. Gomer is us. You can imagine that first encounter. You know, you can imagine their profiles on eHarmony, you know, just like, you know, prophet of God, prostitute. You know, just like, hey, you know, I'm just, <laughs> this doesn't line up. And so you, you have this first encounter, and she's like, you know, like, why, why does that dude keep following me? I know you don't want to talk to me. Do you know who I am? And, and all of a sudden, that relationship comes in, and this grace is poured out on her. You can imagine the wedding announcement as it hits the streets. Jose is getting married. Really? What an outstanding lady that must be. It's Gomer. You're kidding me. You know, it's just like, you've got to be kidding. God's love for you is unconditional. The fact is, it's not based on your good, past, or present. Number two, his love for you is passionate. I, I think we have to do this because a lot of times our, our love for each other is so touchy-feely. I'm up one day and I'm down the next. I'm in love with you one day and I'm not the next. Love is more than words. Guys, let me tell you, if you tell your wife you love them, it should show in your life. 
Man, there should have been a whole lot of men saying amen to that. It means that I'm not just going to tell my wife that I love her. I'm going to show her that I love her. I'm going to do things for her. I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to give her love and security. I'm going I'm to give her those things. You know what? Basically, you've got to be, you've got to be Jesus to her. You, you've got to get behind her and back her up and love her and support her and lift her up and, and take care of her and step in and be a servant to her, which is counterculture to today. It, it, it was something that God was saying, I, I want to show them that I love them. The story was, the amazing part comes later as the story unfolds, Gomer begins to slip back into her old lifestyle. Then you're just like, what? And I'm going to get mad and say, why would somebody that's been given the grace and the love and the acceptance of somebody so good run off to that which is so bad? I don't know, you guys tell me. Why do we do that? Why is it that we have everything with our relationship with God and God pulls us out of the pit, sets us on a solid rock, He loves us, He accepts us, He equips us, He everything. You know what we end up doing? We run back to the world. Here He is, her heart was drifting. She begins to be unfaithful. And I, I don't know what is happening. The Bible doesn't go into great detail, but along the way, she's with child, baby number one, she's with child, baby number two, baby number three, all of the children symbolic of the lesson that God was trying to teach them. We don't have time to go into all of this. Through all of this, Hosea realizes that these children may or may not be his own to the point where he says in Hosea 2.5, for their mother hath played the harlots, she hath conceived them, have done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lover's. You're just thinking, wait, wait a minute. This is twisted. This is messed up. I'll tell you what, if that was me, my love has limits and I love my wife. But man, to imagine that these kids and everything that I've done and it's turned her back on me and gone the other way. And just like, you know, in our minds, I'm done. Hey, that's enough. You, you have lied. You have cheated. You have mistreated. You have done all these things to me. But not God. Not his love, not agape love. When Hosea is probably thinking, well, we had a good run, this is it. He gets the instructions from God in Hosea 3.1. Then said the Lord unto me, go yet, love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet in an adulteress, yet in her sin, yet betraying you, yet hitting bottom, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. Hosea, don't go love her the way you would love her. Go love her the way that I would love her. I'm glad God doesn't love us the way we love each other. I'm glad that God isn't lowering himself to cutting us off, unfriending us, and turning his back on those who look to God, other gods and love flagons of wine. You can imagine Hosea's thoughts as, saying, Lord, she's in sin. She's gone back. She's messed up. God, do you realize where she's at? Do you realize what this is doing to my reputation? What a mess. What an absolute mess. And God says, here's the thing. I so love them. His love doesn't fail. It never gives up. His love never runs out on us. Here, he, he pursued her. God's desire for you is when we mess up or we get off track, when you get out of church, when you go back to your bad habits, God comes knocking on our door saying, I'm not done with you. 
You know what the thing is? When we mess up in our minds, we're thinking, God hates me. You know, I've messed up too much this time. You know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to pray. Have any of you guys started to pray before? And then you stop praying because you're thinking, why, why would he even want to listen to me after all I've done? Most of our prayers start with like, you know, Lord, it's me again. And I guess I did it again. Lord, I, I've messed up again and again and again. Here she is. She didn't have one child, two child, three children. It's, it's, it's over and over. It's repetitive. It's, it's messed up, okay? It's about as messed up as you can get. The whole, the, the, this story takes a drastic change. There she is in verse Hosea 3, 2. So I bought her to me. Now, now I, I, I've got to explain this because you're thinking, why did he have to buy her? So we, we paint out this illustration of what's going on. The only reason why you'd have to buy someone is the Bible is explaining that Hosea had hit bottom so bad they, they, they literally, the world turned on her. They, they used her for everything they wanted to do. They've gotten their pleasure out of her. Now she's good for nothing, according to the world. Literally saying, we don't want you anymore. Before long, they push her around. She becomes homeless or whatever. She ends up in one of these places that they're selling her off like property. Literally meaning, you have no value to society anymore. Nobody would love you. Nobody would care for you. The only way you're ever going to get taken care of is if you're sold. Sold. You can say she's a slave to sin. Hosea 3.1, Then the Lord said unto me, Go yet love a woman, beloved of a friend, yet an adulteress. See, God's love pursues. It seeks out. It doesn't give up. Hosea goes in to seek her out. Now, I, I, I want you guys to get this because I, I, I have to, I have to bring, bring this to a close as we do this, Okay? Here's the thing you can imagine as Hosea runs into the city. He, he walks in there looking for his wife. Do you understand? There goes in looking for what is already his. Gomer belonged to Hosea. Bound in marriage. You can imagine he runs into the city. Have you seen? Have you seen my wife? Have you seen my wife? You mean the prostitute, the one that's ran off, the one that's messed up, the one that's hit bottom. You're not going to want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. She's used up to the point where she's being sold down the street. Sold down the street. You can imagine walking in there and approaching this man. I want to take her home. Well, you'll have to pay the price. Do you get it? What was already his, you'll have to pay the price for her. Hosea, whatever it is, I'll pay it. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Let me tell you something that you need to know that everybody needs to know. Before we hit this invitation, you hold great value to God. Great value to God. If you were to sell me something and, and, and it was out beyond what I would willing to pay for it, I would say it's not worth it. Do you know what you were worth? But God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You were worth his life. The king of kings, the author of creation, the beginning and the end died for you. That's how much you're worth. And you can imagine as he walks up and she's thinking nobody would ever love me. Nobody would ever accept me. Nobody would ever take me. And to feel the hand of Hosea reach down and touch her face to say, you are loved. 
When I was yet without strength, he died for the ungodly, which literally means I couldn't do anything. Jose was at a point where she was tied to the ground, could not do anything. History tells us in that situation, she probably had to be carried out, embraced by her lover, pushed through the streets. As everybody looks at him, why would you want her? She's cheated, she's abused, she's lied, she's done everything. Why would you want her? The last thing we see in all of this, he brings her home. And the book says, no longer will you be this. No longer are you an adulteress. God changes us. Do you realize that? God not only pursues us, God not only pays for us, God changes us. Here's the thing, you don't have to stay where you're at because God went after you to pull you out. God loves you in spite of your mistakes and your past. You need to know that.